Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Church, I am so looking forward to sharing with you this morning and continuing our awesome series on peaks and valleys. I believe that there is a now word that applies to every human that's ever walked this planet. So I hope that you're here and ready to receive. And honestly, if there's something that speaks to you throughout the sermon, I just encourage you to write it in the notes. Or if maybe you're not quite comfortable with that, even send us a message telling us how God touched you through today's service. Because it's not really about me standing up here and spurting out information. It's about God meeting you where you're at and life change. So we want to know when that happens. And when you put it in the comments, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, that encourages other people as well that maybe are like, oh, am I the only one thinking this right now? Or like I said, if you're not comfortable with that, just get in touch with us some way so we can pray with you and we can know how God is touching your life. I'm going to get right to a story to frame this message. And it just happened to me just this past Sunday. And maybe it was just for me to be able to share because it relates to my message. But here it is. It is a late night Facebook marketplace incident. Now, I've been selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Well, Josiah and I, like it's my part-time job. Like, I am not messing around here, so I am no stranger to a Facebook sale. And you know, there are certain protocols that come when you sell things on Facebook Marketplace. So we made arrangement this, arrangements with this person who's buying some dining room chairs, and they're supposed to come on Sunday at 8 p.m. to pick them up. Everything was set. You know, 8.30 rolls around, 9 o'clock rolls around, 9.30 rolls around. Finally, as Josiah and I are sitting there and watching a movie, a text comes through at 9.30 p.m. saying, I'm running late. Like that needed to be said when the arrangement had been made for 8 p.m. But either way, 9.30, I'm running late is the text. Well, you know what happened to me? Like I said, I am no stranger to the Facebook sale. My mind from that moment at 9.30 onward started to spiral out of control about what this person could possibly be doing, texting me that they're one and a half hours late, that they're still going to come in the wee hours of the night. And yes, 9.30 p.m. feels like the wee hours of the night for me. I try and kind of blow them off and be like, well, maybe these aren't the chairs for you, or maybe we should make arrangements for you to come at another time. But they say, oh, really? Well, I'm actually almost there. And by the time this text is, is finally happening, we've gone back and forth a bit, it's actually almost 10.30 at night. And I thought, oh my goodness, I don't want these people to be almost here. And then I turn them around and they leave. Oh my goodness. So also, I'd already, disclaimer, I'd already given them my address as well as my email so that they could e-transfer me the money, which they said was their preference for transferring. So I tell them at 10.30 at night, very tired, 
that they can e-transfer me the money and as soon as I get it, then I will put the chairs on the front step and they can come and grab them whenever they arrive. This is common, again, common marketplace practice. I'm doing, I've done this before with people. As long as I got the cash, you come get it when you want. Well, between 9.30 and 12.45 a.m., yes, I am not kidding you, 12.45 a.m. when the person actually came and showed up to get the chairs from my front step, my mind went through every single worry humanly possible. I don't even, I can't even explain it. What if they break into my house? That's the only reason why they would come so late at night, right? What if somehow, because I've given them my email, they can break into my bank account and take all of my money and drain all of our accounts? What if they take the chair that I left on the front porch on my own will and they use it to smash the window and come in and hurt my husband and hurt my kid or do something to one of us? For three hours, these scenarios ran through my, my mind. Every sound I heard was simply reinforcement that my worries were coming to life in my house. Sure enough, the person came, they took the chairs, and they left, like I said, at 12.45 a.m. Yes, they were four and a half hours late in the middle of the night, but not a single thing that I worried about and not a single thing that ran through my mind actually came to life. Now, although selling two chairs on Facebook Marketplace is not a life-altering valley by any means, don't worry, I know that, the process of go me going though from living my life normally to worst case scenario worry and thoughts and doing this marathon in my brain is really a great picture of what op often happens to each of us whenever we worry. And it made me think that if it was so simple for me to go to that place of worry when there was no real stress, how much easier is it when I'm experiencing or you're experiencing real stress real valleys in life that are putting pressure on us. When we are in the valleys of life, I believe and I've seen that worry is the most typical response. It is the default setting for almost every human I've ever met. If that's not you, wow, high five. But almost everyone I've met, it is default. And we are in, like I said, this series of peaks and valleys that's focusing on how to navigate the peaks and valleys that are guaranteed, guaranteed throughout our lifetime. And I believe worry may be one of the most common, debilitating and immediate responses to valleys. Now, this is not, like, like I said, this is normal, and there's hope in this message. I believe that God has given us specific instructions on how to handle worry, especially when we're in the valleys. But I want to talk about what is worry, really? It might seem silly to define it, but has anyone ever really thought about it? What is worry? Well, the Bible describes worry as taking something and dividing it into parts. 
So we take the thing, that thing, just think of that thing that causes you stress or worry, and we break it down into these tiny little pieces, each of those pieces with their own care, their own weight, and their own story that we attach to it. We divide what is happening to us in a way that causes our mind to flit from peace to peace to peace, unable to actually bring that situation or bring that stress back into one part. Worry is being distracted. Worry is being preoccupied with things that cause us stress, anxiety, and pressure. The reason why worry is so powerful and all-consuming is because it's rooted in a need that we feel is not being met or will ultimately not be met by God, which then also divides us from God or perceived division from God. Now, what is so bad about worry? So everyone worries. That is a common thing. But what's so bad about it? Why does God instruct us, which I'll show later, not to worry? Why do people tell us not to worry? Well, when we worry, our body and our mind actually go into overdrive as we constantly are thinking about what might happen. Or in other words, when we divide everything into little parts. This worry stimulates actual chemicals that trigger our brain to say, should I fight or should I flight? Should I fight or should I flight? And those chemicals that, that rise in our, our like override to our system actually will interfere with your appetite, with your lifestyle, with your relationships, with your sleep. I did a lot of research actually about, about worry and what all these different um, researchers and scientists and the Bible obviously have to say about it. And all of them conclude the same thing, that worry re can actually reduce your life expectancy. It can increase your chances of getting sick, of having aches, of having pains. It's actually shown that people that worry more spend more time at doctor's visits than people that don't worry. It's proven that those who worry Here's the stats. Some of you have heard them before, but I, and I thought, oh, some people make up stats on the spot all the time. So I've got to find the real information about this. So people that worry have been studied before. And did you know that worry is actually not based on reality? That's why it's so bad. So 85%, 85% of what people worry about never happened. This is people in this study. The 15% that the thing they were worried about did happen, 79% of those people discovered that either they could handle the difficulty better than they expected, or that the difficulty taught them something, some sort of lesson that was worth learning in their lives. So that means that 97% of what you and I worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions because you are equipped to be able to deal with whatever comes to you. Living with worry is not God's 
best for us. There's no condemnation if you're a warrior. Like I said, there is hope to this message, but it is not God's best for us. So I wanted to know what worry was as I was preparing for this sermon. And then I wanted to know what are people worrying about? Well, the top five things that people worry about work, money, health, what other people think, and their past. Each of these things, it was so interesting to me that God started to show me in his word that each of these things, interestingly enough, are actually basic human needs if you really look at it. The top five things people worry about. Work. Really? That's your purpose. The things that you've been given a responsibility of. It started back in the Garden of Eden. It was God's plan for his people to work, to have a purpose, to have things that they were responsible for. That is something he knew that we needed as humans. Money is the number two. We need provision. We need to pay for things, being able to buy wonderful things like food and shelter and clothes. All those things cost money. Health. We all need wholeness in our bodies, in our minds, and in our hearts. What others think of us, really, that's a need for acceptance, a need for connection, and a need for relationship. It's just out of balance when you worry about it. And the fifth thing, the past. We all make mistakes, we all have regrets, we all have hurts, and we all need reconciliation with our past. And Matthew 6 32 to 34, God talks about our need and his view on the subject. He says, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He already knows those top five worries. He knows your need for work. He knows your need for money. He knows your, your need for health. He knows your need for acceptance or what others think of you. He knows your need to reconcile the past. So your heavenly father knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. What a beautiful scripture as it applies to needs or the things that people, he talks about needs in light of he's got it. He's got your back and we have our needs and often they're attached to something that we worry about. And I found it so interesting as I started to dig into, into our needs and what the Bible has to say about it. And the original word of need actually means to press or that there's a pressing in that thing. So no wonder need, our needs weigh heavily because they have a pressure to them. They have a weight to them. But God says he will take care of all of our needs. The top five worries that people have are needs that God said he would take care of. Provision, health, connection, purpose, giving us something to put our hands to, giving us work. Our past, you know, God says that we are a new creation, that the past is separated from us as far as the East is from the West. So that's why he can tell us not to worry because those needs, those top five things that people worry about are actually within the promises 
of God for your life. That's the reason why we don't need to worry because all of that has been provided in Christ. So what if I told you there could be joy and peace in the valley? What if I told you it was unnatural for us to worry? It was not how God created us to live. What if I told you it would all work out? What if I told you there was another way to live than to worry and be anxious, no matter how deep the valley is that you're in? If that sounds interesting to you, maybe give me a yes or a me or something in the chat that identifies you with the, yeah, I don't want to go into that worry category. I want God's best for my life. So what is God's plan for your worry? Well, although, like I said, worry is the most common response to valleys, it is unnatural response and not how God created us. He created us, us, as I'll share in the next scripture, to pray and give thanksgiving. Giving. He created us to live in relationship with him. In him is all the provision that we need for life. In him, we have a future and a hope. And it's really only when we don't trust his plan, trust his goodness, trust the future that he has for us, that worry can become so consuming that's why it's unnatural because we were always meant to be in a trusting, hope-filled relationship with our creator. I'm going to share with you Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and this is a very common scripture in churches, but I want to encourage you to hear it with fresh ears and that God would show you something new today of how powerful this scripture is in the valleys or any season really of our life. So Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, so after you've prayed, after you give thanks, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. What a powerful scripture. It starts off, don't worry. Like, just don't do it. Don't worry, God says. And yet worry really should be a trigger. That's what I got from this. Don't worry, it says. Worry should be a trigger for us. Worry is an indicator for us to take action. There's something I actually found in my research that's called worrying well. The premise is that worry can trigger an action that actually will help us prepare for something in the future. That's when we're doing it well. So the example that I would have like two examples for this. One would be like if you're in school and you're worried about failing a test, the worry is not actually going to help you not fail the test. But if you can use that worry as an indicator to you to take action, then what you'll do is you'll go study. You're going to open your books. You're going to make sure that you're prepared for that test. You have the confidence to go and write it rather than being consumed with worry. That's worrying well. Or maybe you have a job interview coming up 
and you're worried about how it's going to go. Well, that worry should be a trigger to cause you to research that company, prepare for the position. Maybe you do a little bit more depth about the, the position that you're looking at and how you fit into the company so that you are as prepared as possible for that interview. And like any emotion we experience, worry is an indicator that action needs to be taken. But worry was never meant to be a permanent state for us to park ourselves, a bench that we sit on and get comfortable. No, it's supposed to prompt us to do what Philippians 4 speaks of, pray and give thanks. That's why God instructs us to bring our worries before him. He will either give us the solution on an action to take, to worry well, to address that worry, or he will take it away and toss it so it does not become a heavy burden. It's when we ruminate continually over and over on the things we're worried about that we'll fall into that 85% category of people that never see their worries come to life and the 75% that look back and go, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought or man, I sure learned a lot through that thing that I walked through in the valley. But prayer and thanksgiving allow us to fix shift, not fix, shift our focus into a place that is proactive and productive rather than debilitating and stagnant. So I want to break it down. What is the deal with prayer? Prayer really, it's having a conversation with God. It's telling him what's on your mind, saying out loud what's tumbling around in your head. And I have an illustration for us. I'm going to get organized here a little bit. But prayer really is as 1 Peter 5, 7 instructs us to do. 1 Peter 5, I think it's such a beautiful picture of prayer. It says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. God deeply cares about the things that weigh you and I down, but for different reasons than we care. Our weights and our worries are about the future that we don't see an end of. Worry is really just meditating on something that you can't see an end point of, or you're rolling over and over in your mind the story or the scenario that you believe will or will not happen the way you think. But first Peter, it says to pour your worries and stress that's a picture of prayer, pouring your worries and stress because they are too heavy for you and I. I don't know about you, but when I've read this verse before, I thought, okay, God, you're going to lug around this stress and worry like, like this little pack mule. Thanks for that. But when we pour them out to him, he just lets the need, the stress, the worry seep into the ground beneath us. He tosses them away and he uses everything to grow and to nourish us. And this is the picture, the illustration that I got when I read first Peter that says, that's what prayer does. We pour out this water is your worry. And as you pour it out, as you pray, as you give your stresses to him, as you leave them there, I don't even know if you can see this, so I'm going to lift it up. As you pour them out, they have to stay there. I wish that I could just dump it on my ground, but for the sake of my house and preserving it, I'm going to keep it in this bowl. But 
as you pour, as you speak to God, as you pray to him, it's like this water. There is no more water in here. There's nothing left in here. It's all, it's all gone. And God isn't going to take it and pour it back in. Only you can pick up this bowl and go, oh, lug, 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 lug. I'm going to drink from it. Or you can let it rest. You can let it lay in the ground that you've poured it out on and trust that God actually is using it and has taken it and that you don't need to worry about that thing anymore, like First Peter says. And you know, prayer is so powerful. It is so powerful that did you know there are people, scientists that have studied prayer and I mean prayer, they describe it as talking to God, using scripture and text to talk to God. They have researched prayer and its benefits because they're actually measurable in people's lives. And as I was looking through the journals and doing all this research, um, here's what they found about prayer. Prayer calms your nervous system. So that fight or flight uh, chemical that I talked about in the beginning that comes when you worry. Well, when you pray, there's actual a physical change and response to your body. I wonder why God wanted us to pray. Did you know that praying makes you less reactive and negative? In prayer, God is able to download his peace and his perspective because it means that you've, you've quieted the dividing worry and have come to the one person that is whole. So it makes us calmer and less reactive. There's another, another journal. It's a medical journal that they describe prayer. They said all of their subjects, they used words to talk to God for 20 minutes a day for four weeks. That was there. And then they had a group that didn't do that for four weeks. And the results were that group that prayed had decreased anxiety and stress. Their moods were more positive and get this. They developed resiliency, which who needs resiliency in the valley? Really, that means endurance, the ability to keep going, to keep pressing forward, that no matter what, are, what challenges or obstacles come to you, you have the strength to continue and push past them. That's what prayer does. And that's what the, res the research results showed as well. And you know, the, fi the final thing is that prayer, amazingly to these researchers, showed that it offered this emotional support and connection that people so deeply need. And so, you know, it actually, like in terms of the connection and stuff, the picture that I got was just that if you can imagine carrying around this backpack and the contents inside are all of your worries, all the things that you're worried about, visualize that backpack right now, what it's filled with. What is filled with in this season of your life? Feel the weight of it. Get a sense of like how sore your muscles are, how tight your neck is, how much your body's aching from carrying this thing around. And prayer is really taking off that backpack, handing it to somebody else to carry or to just deal with. Prayer lets us put down the, the burden that we're carrying mentally and allows us to rest because someone else do, is doing the heavy lifting or burning it, destroying it, taking care of it, turning your situation around. 
And you know, finally, another amazing part of these studies was that when people prayed, it meant they were approaching God as a partner and a collaborator in their life. And they found that there were mental and physical benefits when they saw that partnership between them and God. And that's what prayer does. It says, I am not alone in this. God, you are my partner and collaborator in life. So when we worry, that's why God says first to pray. When we pray, we are coming to God as our partner and giving him the opportunity to speak into our lives. When we pray, we shift from this fight or flight survival mode that's triggered in our bodies through stress and through worry. And instead we engage, we actually engage the part of our brain that is able to make intelligent decisions. What an amazing design God has made in our bodies. That's how he created us to function. Prayer also, this is amazing to me, but it releases this this amazing thing called oxytocin. I'm sorry if this is too technical for some of you, but I, my mind was just blown by this. And oxytocin is actually this, this hormone or chemical that's released in everybody. And often it happens between a baby and their parent. So when you hold a baby and you have all those snuggles or uh, maybe you breastfeed your baby or you're just close to your baby, oxytocin's released. And oxytocin actually helps to create a bond between a baby and another person. And did you know that when we pray, oxytocin is actually released in us. And that I believe is God's design to create this bond and this trust and this attachment, just like what happens between a baby and a parent or a baby and someone that's significant in their life. So amazing. Why that is why Philippians says, don't worry, pray. Tell God everything. Second part is thankfulness. Thankfulness is really acknowledging God's goodness. Simple matter of fact, it's acknowledging God's goodness. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18, I'm going to share this scripture with you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18, it says, make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Again, there it is the prayer portion. And then in the midst of everything, always give thanks. No matter what happens in your lives, give thanks. I know I think the world has this backwards sometimes. It's not happiness. A lot of times the world's looking for happiness, happiness, and they think that's going to bring me gratitude. But did you know that it's gratitude that brings happiness to our lives? We've got it backwards in the world, but God's got it right. And I believe that this, the, the statement that I shared that people believe happiness brings gratitude rather than gratitude bringing happiness is why God encourages us so strongly when we are in the valley or when we're in the rut of worry to turn gr- to gratitude and thankfulness. First Thessalonians says that it is God's perfect plan for you. Prayer and thanksgiving is God's best approach to life. Why? 
in the valleys of life, it is so easy. And we tend to focus more on the obstacles and the difficulties of our situation because they're demanding from us. There's pressure there. Remember those needs that put pressure. We have to fight and overcome them. We think we have to fight those things and overcome them in order to get back into this like natural good flow of life. But actually on the flip side is that when we attend our mind to better things, when we focus on the better things that are happening in our lives, the goodness of God in our lives, the things that are already there, the things that we don't have to do anything to make happen right now. That's why practicing gratitude is the best way to remind ourselves of the things that we have Because when we know the things that we have, we get the courage, we get the strength, we get the resilience to push past whatever obstacles we're facing. What we fix our attention to will be consuming for us. So if we're unfixed on gratitude, we will be energized. We will push through. We will, we will come up with solutions. And when we're fixed on the problem, we'll be de- debilitated. And that's why giving thanks is so powerful. The amazing other things about thankfulness. Again, I looked into the, the research of this and it, first of all, it doesn't cost you any money. Second of all, you can do it anywhere you want. Third of all, it, it doesn't take very much time, but the benefits are huge. Did you know it improves your physical health? Just like worry gets people more aches and pains and more doctor's visits, people that give thanks are proven less aches, less pains, less doctor's visits. It improves psychological health. They're happier. It reduces depression and anxiety. And did you know that actually thankfulness is a natural antidepressant? Thankfulness improves people's sleep. Thankfulness improves people's self-esteem, which I found this so interesting because thankfulness or gratitude, it takes you out of comparing this comparison game with other people and instead focuses your intention on what you have in this life that is good. And finally, also just like prayer, thankfulness is proven to foster resilience in people. So, you know, there are two ways that we can go about navigating the valleys and navigating worry. But putting Philippians 4 into practice, prayer and thankfulness, will take you and I out of this rut of worry, off of the hamster wheel of doubt and worry, and instead place you and I in Christ. In Christ, there is peace There's a guard to ward off anything that shouldn't be there. God has perfect plans for you and I. It doesn't mean these plans are like pure bliss the whole way along, pure happiness that it's going to come with no valleys. But in fact, God's actually not worried about a little discomfort in our lives. He's not worried about a few scratches along the way, a few challenges, a few valleys. He uses everything along the way to fulfill his ultimate purpose which is to bring people into relationship with him. That's what he wants us to do. And for us to become all that he's created us to be and prayer and thankfulness, make this happen. Prayer and thankfulness, make his plan come to life and they help us endure through the valleys and the peaks in strength rather than worry. So let's review. 
No good comes from worrying. If I haven't said that or established that enough, there's no good that comes from worrying. Yet it's the most common reaction to the valleys in our lives because we cannot see the way, how the end we would like will work out. But God says with such certainty again in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Pretty simple. Talk to God. See the goodness of God in your life. Look for it. Speak it. Actively practice thankfulness. And in re return, he gives us the gift of peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. He increases our lives, the length of our days. It actually in Luke 12, 25 says, who of you by worry can add a single hour to your life? And we've seen that, you know, worry actually takes days off of our life. It doesn't add to it. And if God's word says that worry can't add hours to our lives, then you can infer that when you pray and give thanks, when you do it God's way, long life is actually added to us. Happiness, happiness will come. Like I said, it's an antidepressant that's natural and free. Our youth is renewed. Our bodies will be younger and more lively. And I believe that's why God spends so much time in his word, giving us other options when we're walking through valleys than worry. He cares for you. He has a future and a hope for you. And when you and I roll them over to God, when we pour them out to him, we're able to see and focus on the good and lovely and hope-filled things in our lives. So the next time you start to worry, use it as a trigger. Use it as this alarm bell to pray and give thanks, to practice wiring your brain to pray. Have an honest conversation with God. Really, that's what prayer is. And to shift you into a place of thankfulness. Use it as that trigger and that alarm bell. This approach, this way through the valleys of worry, it takes discipline and it takes mindfulness. But I got to say the payoffs will far outweigh what it costs you. I've been actively practicing this over the last few weeks, even within my, my Monday, I, my Sunday extravaganza on Facebook, practicing this actively paid off huge results. If you're in this valley of worry right now and you don't see a way out or you don't see what the future holds or you're worried about how this situation's going to work out, I want to pray for you. Before I do, I want you to take a moment though and I want you to get a pen and a paper. And I want you to write down the three things that you need in this situation, the needs that you think that you have. Write those three things down. Tell them to God. Maybe you don't write it. Maybe you just say it out loud. The three needs that you have. Tell God what you need. And then I want you to write down or say three things that you're thankful for in your life right now or where you see the goodness of God. Then you can do that right now. 
we're going to go to worship and then when we come back I am going to pray for you but I want you to practice those those um, two things prayer and thankfulness before I, I pray for you and you know we are going to go to worship and maybe you don't know what to be thankful for right now but worship is such an amazing way to express thankfulness and gratitude because the words in our worship are faith filled they are are structured on the word of God and they're focused on his goodness. So if you don't know what to be thankful for right now, worship freely with us. And it can be that step in practicing Philippians 4. We'll be back after worship. Well, I hope you've taken a moment to write down those three things that you need and write down those three things you're thankful for. And I want to pray for you. If you're in a valley right now and worry just seems to be taking you out or consuming you, I want to pray for you. And if you want, just put yourself in a posture of receiving. God, I just thank you for each person. I thank you that you see their worry, Father God, that you saw those needs that they wrote down, Jesus and that you care for them, that as they tell you what they need, God, you are already working on their behalf, that you are already turning their situations around, Father God, that you're giving them the strength and the endurance to walk the path that you've set before them. So I thank you, God, that you hear them and that you see them in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that you are a good and a faithful God, that you are trustworthy, that your promises, we can stand on them. No matter what our experiences and our situations around us are telling us, we can stand on your word. And I am thankful for that. Your word is good. It is health to us, Father God. And so I just thank you that that, that strengthening and that health and that um just that joy would overtake your people today in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.